Recording from the Financial Coach offices in Westchester, PA, this is Untucked, a podcast hosted by three financial advisors discussing markets, investing, and a bunch of other stuff. I'm Megan Tate, and I'll be joined by Mike Trainer and Jeff Masternardo. Let's get started. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the opinions or views of FC Advisory, the Financial Coach Group, or the New Wealth Project. Nothing discussed on this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice. Welcome to Untalked. This is Megan. And Mike. And Jeff. Um, I believe we're going to get started with our fun fact. Jeff? You guys have heard of the cereal all brand? No. I I imagine it's pretty much just brand. (laughs) Like brand flakes? 87% brand. The title, the name of the cereal is all brand, and it's 87% brand. False advertising. <laughs> okay. Is that the fact? <laughs> it's a fact, Mike. It's a fact. There's no source. There's no study. You don't have to Google it. It's fact. All Can brand. Can look at an all brand box? The box. It says so 87% okay. brand. What else is in it? I don't know. Triglycerides and <laughs> Triglycerides. something else. All right. Um, well, cool. Thanks for that. Uh, does anyone under the age of 65 eat all brand? I don't think you're allowed to eat all brand if you're <laughs> under the age of 65. It comes with your Medicare card. Mike's just shaking his <laughs> Mike's just shaking his head because he eats He's it every so morning. Annoyed. Never no, no, no. All right. Um you want to do Philly sports real quick? Yeah. So we had the Eagles I was going to say something we can't. Stomped the Jets on Sunday. I didn't see one snap. Oh, right. You I was had, in Harrisburg for a kid's hockey game. You had technical difficulties. How did they look? How did they look? Did they look good? I didn't watch any of it either. They were fine. Thanks, they Al Morgani. <laughs> they had the, whole, the game in check. The Jets are just so bad. They yeah. were as bad as advertised. So yeah. um, it would have been awful if the Eagles had somehow played that game close. It was just... The Jets are brutal. So you guys still feeling as strongly about the Eagles' position after that convincing win over the Jets where our defense scored two touchdowns? Yes, and you know what? You need to start listening to the podcast because you contradict yourself every week. It's part of my value. (laughs) You said last week that they haven't had a convincing win. They haven't just beat the shit out of anybody. And here they are doing that, and you're still going to shit on them? No, I didn't see the game. And from what I've heard, I heard the offense wasn't very dominant. And they should have been against the Jets. So I'm going off of what you guys saw. I didn't watch it. But on the other hand, the criticism of, you know, defense, no sacks this year. Where's the defense? When are they going to step up? Well, they just did. Mm -hmm. And then you can't expect the offense to put up, like, Seven touchdowns on top of that. I mean, I mean the Patriots would have probably. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I stand confident. Remain confident. Okay. Um, it has not wavered. All right. I mean, it, this week's a big one. Who's this week? Vikings in Minnesota. Oh. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll 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 see how you feel after this one. <laughs> uh, Gabe Kapler still has a job. 
they haven't made a determination whether to let him go or keep him yet. Didn't they fire like a like a conditioning guy or they something? They fired a few a few people, a few. What's, the, what's up with that? Any? I don't know. Inside baseball on that? Yeah, I don't know. No, I'm kind of tuned out of baseball. Okay. Like, um, have the Flyers played since Prague? Nope. 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 Still no Flyers <laughs> action since <laughs> their nope. first game. You travel 8,500 miles to play one game in a week. Um, I'm sure they had fun over there. I yeah. don't know. It, that, it's beyond me as to why they do that. Big tilt tonight, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Who home they got opener. tonight? Home opener, Devils. Uh, Wayne rival. Simmons back in town as a as a. He's a devil. Yep. I yep. didn't know he was a devil. Simmer. Yep. We'll be we'll be talking about that one tomorrow. Meg, what are your thoughts on the big Sixers preseason win over? I can't even pronounce the name. Yeah, of the we team. don't. I don't think we need to. Um, exciting. I didn't actually watch the game, so I can't. I'm speaking mostly based on the what I've read on Twitter post game and since. Obviously, the talk of the town is that Ben Simmons hit a three. Um, Matisse Thibel, their first round draft pick, apparently had a really really good game. Is getting comparisons to the great Robert Covington. Oh wow, <laughs> Bobby Cubs, <laughs> Roco, as I used to call Roco. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone seems to be excited, ready for real season, real games. Mike, are you super excited that an NBA basketball player finally was able to hit a jump shot? What? Yeah, when ben, did this happen? <laughs> ben. Big Big Ben Simmons. I, I don't pay attention. So they're going crazy because he hit a three-point shot in a preseason game against some China team that, I mean... Meaning he's finally a three-point threat, and that's like a big deal? Well, I don't know that we can call him a threat. Um, he, the biggest knock against Ben is his lack of jump shooting ability. And every – how long has he been in the league? Three years? Yeah. Every preseason, postseason, offseason, the only thing that's talked about is will Ben Simmons shoot jumpers? And he came into last season saying all the right things, indicating that the whole summer he worked on his jump shot and – Still did not take it. Now, he was a 22-year-old all-star, had an awesome season. His game is very, very, like, it's more mature than he is, but he still doesn't shoot the ball. And so the fact that he shot it and made it, it's like a big time It's a big deal. It's a huge deal. 82-0? 82 games in the 82 games, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you, Mike. MVP season, (laughs) Ben. You heard it here first. Um, all right, we got the four of them covered. Anything else? That's it. No. Let's get going. Okay, so um, the first article we'll talk about today is, um, it was a long one. Morgan Housel from the Collaborative Fund wrote, Three Big Things, The Most Important Forces Shaping the World. There's a lot um, to unpack here, but um, one of the kind of quotes ended the article with was the world is driven by tail events a minority of things drive the majority of outcomes it's one of the most important concepts in investing where a few positions may account for most of your lifetime returns history is no different um morgan's article outlines three big three big things he talks about demographics inequality and information um, which according to him will have enormous impacts on the world as we know it in the coming decades Excellent summary, Meg. Thanks. Half how of do you, it Morgan wrote. So, <laughs> how do you want to attack this one? 
Do you want to start with what he claimed as the most impactful event in our lifetime, which was World War II? Sure. And how that pretty much was set the, the tone. Yeah, was the driving force for everything that we know as of today, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the technologies that were invented out of that women in the workforce, the beginning of civil rights movement, all these huge things that were really created out of, directly out of the consequence of the war effort um, and lasted for decades and decades and still to this day. I mean, everything that's recognizable today is can be traced, he, he argues, back to World War II, which um, he makes a compelling case for. It's a good, Pretty insightful. Good point. Yeah, for sure. Um, Do you think he, he like just sits at, in bed at night and just thinks about that? I or? think he does. I mean, this is what he does <laughs> for a living. It's his job. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, he's really he's good, good at, at it because he, yeah. he takes really big ideas and themes and he writes them, writes about them very so simply simple. and clearly and it's like, wow, well, that, that's really, I got to read that again. That's, how, that's yeah. what I think. I don't think I'd ever be laying in bed going, where did Rhodes come from? Oh, <laughs> World War II. I mean, it would never happen. I'm not that deep of a thinker. No, I mean, his, yeah, his, his way of thinking is definitely dramatically different than ours. Okay, so connecting a lot of things back to World War II is how he started. Um, right, and then, he, and then he tries to offer up three main right. really big things that, that are going to be like that. kind of the most consequential going forward over the long term. And it's, I think we all... Well, I would say it's a, it's a struggle to connect with it all because it takes so long for this stuff to, you know, manifest itself. There's no, like, short-term, mm -hmm. like, observable impact from it. Like, demographic shift takes forever. You know, it takes a long time. Right. Um, that was the one I didn't connect with the most. I mean, when I read this stuff and really smart people writing stuff, I'm always trying to, like, poke a hole in it. And that was the one I just... It seemed more speculative than the other two. Really? Because I, th I think this has been written about maybe more than anything from other people, which is just demographics around the world and the ratio of working people to retired people and how if it upends and there's... But yeah. I just, with this one, I just think there's so many other factors that can impact the economy. He mentioned one as far as immigration could could be a, um, a determining factor, which... which sends us all spinning but that's huge and and i think he i mean you're right he, and, and i think his point there is immigration is going to be so important to sustaining or growing anybody's economy ours specifically but it's so politically charged that you know you can't predict yeah. it and trying to figure out what it's going to look like is impossible but he's just trying to make the point that this is such a huge issue that it's worth paying attention to i just I'm, there's just so many unknowns i mean aren't there more and more people in the world, though. Yeah, but the ratio of young to old is so different. I get that, but spending patterns, like let's just take that one. People today spend money way differently than the boomers did when they were working. Isn't, does, can't that have a shift in this? Like, like a 45-year-old today doesn't buy a car, I'm, I'm generalizing like I always do, <laughs> and keep it for 15 years. Baby boomers did. In general, they lease cars, they buy cars, and two years later, they don't want them anymore. And they, I mean, I just, we spend a lot more money than our parents and grandparents ever did. I mean, 
things like that. Can't they maybe disprove everything or some of this stuff? Well, I think it's all the what you're saying is that there's too many factors in the in the soup to figure out what yeah. it's all going to look like, and that, I think I would definitely agree with that. There's no way to predict what it's going to mean, right? Because technology changes are going to impact things in ways we don't know yet. Um, but they're all predicting doom because of it, and I just—I don't think he was predicting doom at all. I think he was actually saying that of all the global economies, the U.S. is in the best shape if you just talk about demographically speaking. Yeah, um, and that even in the U.S., the, the required immigration. Um, the required number of immigrants that we're going to have to absorb to, you know, create things and grow things and work is, is huge. And maybe he's suggesting that if we don't figure that out, we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot. Yeah. I don't know. But he's also sort of, I think saying like as an investor, you should pay attention to this stuff. So if, if people are looking at China, for example, saying, Oh, look, they're eating our lunch. They're, they're inventing things. They're, they have, you know, 2 billion people. And he's saying, wait a minute, but, Fast forward in 10, 15 years, that, comp- that country is going to be a, a nightmare because there's, there's too many old people and not enough younger workers to sustain that economy. Yeah. So. Assuming it's that easily predictable. Yeah. What, he lost me on the whole fertility thing. Does anybody else understand that part? It's just connected it? to demographics because it used to be generations ago that most families had you know, more than 2.2 kids, you know, and, yeah. and that was the cultural sort of norm was to have lots of kids. And that's totally shifted today. And it's, and it's, um, the life demographically expect- speaking, it's a huge impact. And life expectancy was going up, I think is kind of, I think it's come down it a is. little bit recently, but we know we're all going to continue to live longer. I mean, mm-hmm. those things, yeah, I just, I think some of the other articles I've read about this, I mean, wasn't it Dent? Harry Dent talking about like he's a fraud. I, I understand that, but it was similar research that the boomers are going to stop spending as much money, and there's not enough but he, young workers. He, well, all he says is because everyone's going to be selling stocks to you know support their lifestyle, all, the, all these retired people's we're gonna, the markets are going to crash to zero. Yeah, and buy my gold that I'm selling you, or whatever he's hawking, or his books. Yeah, <laughs> the access to information part was so spot on to me. Um, I think that is the the biggest advancement that we have that's going to absolutely change the world. Right. And this this can be boiled down to the internet. Right. Basically, right. I mean, access yeah. to information just means now the internet allows you to um any you can look up anything and you can also connect with anybody in the world who's like-minded and that's not a good thing all the time. Right. Um but game changer for sure. Yeah, I just wonder if as we age and as people are born to always have this, if like how does that change? Because like if you think about like even me at 30, I remember when I had to like go on the computer or like log on to the internet. Do you know what I mean? So you guys obviously being older, like there were times in your lives where like these technology, you weren't using them. Right. I had to go to the mailbox. Right. <laughs> so like there, but now there are kids being born who are raised on this stuff. So for me, this was the one that I could connect with like in my mind because I was part of that transition. But it's also like, holy shit, where can we go from here? 
right? Like over my lifetime, the strides that have been made with information technology, specifically relating to this, the access that everybody has, what are the next 30 years going to look like? That's going to be great. I think it's going to be good. It's a little scary. There's obviously pros and cons to everything. I mean, he talks about being able, like you said, being able to connect with people across the globe that are like-minded doctors and brilliant people being able to interact with each other and and advance a topic. Right. A ton of good will come from it. Absolutely. But then he talks about the tribe mentality and you have Republicans that only talk to Republicans. Well, now they're sharing on social media their views and now Democrats are getting pissed off. And So, yeah, so when people say there's never been more political divisiveness than than now or there's it's never been worse well i don't know if that's true it's just right. that we now can see it and feel it and touch it so like you know so dramatically it's sort of like when nancy grace started like reporting on all the white vans abducting kids in you know the midwest or wherever and all of a sudden <laughs> where are we going with this people are like oh my god the, the, we're, there's all these child abductors out there now yeah, like, no shit no they've always been they always yeah. have been you just now are seeing it read uh hearing about it. well it's the it's the comparison to plane crashes and shark attacks right? right like we don't hear about every single plane that goes up and lands because that's that's what they're supposed to that's boring that's old that's expected we only hear about the ones that go down um and that's what the internet it's a plane crash every single day (laughs) that you just have access to and i mean i think there are some people who you know choose to filter the noise um but i think we're all i mean just by the way that you curate your own information like it's all based on what you like what you want what you respond to i don't think i know i don't i don't like audit my Twitter feed and like, oh, maybe I should also follow somebody who thinks the complete opposite of that person. I don't do that. And I think it would be a great exercise, but yeah, I think that's, I was just going to go there with, will this access to information and others, other opinions. So he's, will, will people naturally become more open-minded or less? I feel like it's narrowing the perspective of people. I feel the opposite. Like I feel that, deep down humankind is good. Yeah. Now, going back to like his inequality piece, you know, we, we end up figuring it out, right? When the, when the rich get too rich, the poor unite and they, and they make things even out. Like, I think that's what will happen with national debt. Like the national debt will, will get so big to a point where something's going to happen. Either it just explodes and we go into a deep recession, which we come out of and we come out better. Like we always figure it out. And I think when it comes to this, social media and people being able to voice their opinions and opposite opinions, I think it'll actually, to the normal people out there like you, Meg, if you have a strong opinion about something and there's so many other people that can show you their side, I think the middle ground will widen. There'll be less people on the extreme. I think you're underestimating confirmation bias, which is that you seek out people Mm -hmm. whose opinions coincide with your own that you already have and that um this makes it easier to do that it's why fox news and cnn or cnbc pick take your pick have established themselves so strongly on the on the two polar extremes like they are i mean i think i think that that human bias is more prevalent than not. I think very few people are have that ability to 
really want to challenge their existing opinions on something that they feel strongly about and, and eventually even change their minds. I don't think 10 years ago the word, the term, um, what did you just use? Confirmation, confirmation bias. Confirmation bias even existed. And shit, I don't even think people, the majority of people today even know what the hell that means. But the more it's said and the more people realize that you, you're just talking to other Democrats because you're a Democrat and you want to hear and you want them to agree with you. I think people are getting smarter. People are, are, are being more open-minded. And when there's access to more opinion, I think eventually, hopefully, there's more smarter, smart people in the world than stupid will start to be more open-minded. But we'll see, man. Who knows? Maybe the humans will continue to be as ignorant as they've been for years. But I think with this kind of access to information, you can only be so ignorant for so long until so, so many people say, dude, you're being an asshole. I think once baby boomers die, this changes dramatically. Seriously, I agree with you. I mean, I yeah. think they, and, I, and that's not to say that younger people don't have the same like biases or whatever. I'm, I'm not, I don't I'm not saying that at all. I just think there is, and maybe it's just because they're older and they feel entitled to like, my opinion is my opinion. And I don't, I don't have to care what other people think. Um, and maybe that's something that'll happen to everybody <laughs> as they age. Like they're just my experience of, you know, of, of older people, but they seem to be, and this is probably unfair, the biggest, like the most guilty of this type of behavior. The people who absolutely are unwilling to look outside of their box, who are absolutely unwilling to listen to somebody else's side, and who take to social media platforms, specifically Facebook, like, and just blast people who don't agree with everything they do. So I think that in 20, 25 years, and maybe the another product of that is because the kids now growing up with this access to information, there's a natural like inclusivity of people that baby boomers don't have or didn't exist. But I think once they're gone, this will be a, a lot different. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, two other points on this one theme that I thought were interesting. One is that he talks about credentialism melting away, meaning like mm -hmm. you don't have to have some title attached to you for people to listen to you or take you seriously. And it's so true because the platforms that are available for somebody to say smart things or talk about great ideas are all there and smart people want to listen to good ideas. Mm -hmm. They don't care if you're a professor of whatever, whatever, it's whoever. In fact, it's probably the opposite. Um, so the barriers to entry for people spreading new ideas and right. talking about things like that is, is, is are lower dramatically, which is awesome. And then the other part, which is related more towards business and investment, which is the marketing, um, you know, Jeff Bezos said, and he quotes him in here talking about the, um, you, you got to be putting, and I'm paraphrasing, way more energy and attention into building a great product and a smaller amount into shouting about it and marketing it. And that's the opposite of the way stuff has been built and sold for decades. You know, you think about TV commercials and all that crap. That's so true and it's awesome because word of mouth and all the platforms are going to dominate the, the future of marketing, I think, as opposed to, um, you know, a commercial for Tide or something you like that. You build or create something awesome, it's going to spread like wildfire. Right? It's why, it's why, Organically it, in yeah, some way. Yeah, yeah. It's why videos go viral. 
because mm-hmm. something yeah. is so damn funny mm-hmm. and it gets spread immediately. So you don't have to create some product that's kind of bullshit, but you have such an awesome marketing campaign that a bunch of idiots buy it, realize it breaks after two weeks and you were successful. Now it's almost like the opposite. You build something awesome and it just organically. Which is the way it should be. It's the way it should be. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah it was, this was a good piece. I mean, I was, uh, it was long, <laughs> but I enjoyed reading it. The other thing, and, and we didn't really talk about the second theme, which had yeah. to do with inequality, wealth inequality wealth specifically. And this is obviously front and center in the news these days. Um, and it's kind of a centerpiece of the, you know, the, the upcoming election too, really. But the one part he talked about in here that I thought was, we've been thinking for a long time, which is uh, the education. Um, and his point here is that like, there's no way that in 30 years, people are going to keep taking out education mortgages, he calls it, age yep. 18, um, tuition that's rising at double the rate of inflation. We're going to sit there and say that was all okay. It's obviously can't sustain itself. Mm-hmm. So, um, Unfortunately, that's all going to break probably too late for me and my kids. <laughs> but um, but that's a good point. I mean, we dealt with that in a meeting this week, didn't we? We were looking at a 529 plan for a client, and we're looking at the cost of college because we use like a 6% growth rate on the cost cost for college. I'm like, man, you're, you're going to be pretty underfunded in this fight. But then we, were, we looked at each other like, there's no way it's going to continue to grow at this rate. We know there's going to have to be a correction in the cost of attending college or just the access to education otherwise right and i mean if you guys are cool i think that's a good segue to the next article (laughs) um how much weight does i guess the like education college degrees carry so the article was a good man is getting even harder to find it was written by Gerard Baker in the Wall Street Journal. And his point was that, well, he used a statistic from the Department of Education indicating that 57% of the class of 2018 who graduated with bachelor's degrees were female. He goes on to describe that there is less eligible, in quotes, bachelor men available for women. So to maybe make the connection between the two, like, does education matter? I think we can all kind of agree, yes. But like, how much does it matter? And in this space where we're continuing to absorb information differently than we ever have, is college educated, is that the bar? So a couple things. So there's a majority of college graduates that are women. So number one, it's a good time to be a dude in college. <laughs> but, but number two, is, it, is the reason for it and this was not talked about in the article. I got to assume the reason for that is mostly to do with the fact that uh, way more men pursue professions that are not there. You know, call it the trades or something like right. that. That's not your traditional your college. Your degree isn't required. Okay. And so if that's the case, then I think this article is a bunch of crap because the implication is if you don't have a college degree, you're not an eligible person for a, for a, a spouse, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever. <laughs> if you asked women 15 years ago, if you took a poll, you know, what's the percentage of eligible men out there? And they would have said the same thing that this guy just wrote about. Like there's, there's way more eligible women than eligible men. 
There's there's so few good men out there. Like, what do we? Like, women are picky. We get it. I mean, I'm just. First of all, can, let me start with. <laughs> anytime I read an article and I'm maybe a paragraph in and I have to look up four words. What's this guy doing? The first sentence, doggerel. The next paragraph, Batisse. Demure. Couplet. Like, come on, man. Come on, man. Like, why are we using these words? Like, are just, you a college-educated male? I think he's trying to prove that he might be an eligible male. I mean, you seriously, know? I think that's what he was doing. It was... I was kind of annoyed by the article, not the point of the article, although maybe a little bit about the point, because it just, it seems like he's trying to make an issue out of something that's, that's not, a, an not an issue at all. Like, it's estimated that for every three men with a bachelor's degree in their 20s and 30s, there are now four women. Oh my God! Like, what? who gives a shit? Gerard? <laughs> Come on. There's probably more lesbians now, too. Seriously, they're <laughs> going to be fine, Gerard. Yeah, really. If they can't find an eligible man. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I think that like, I, I get it. I get his point. I'm, I don't think of myself as shallow enough to require a bachelor's degree. <sighs> But, but I've never been. <laughs> but I've never been in a situation where I've dated someone who who didn't have one. So I don't. I I don't know how I'd feel. And obviously, like, if they're like the best guy on the planet, I, I like to think I mean, that it's. Can't they just go on the Bachelor? There's like what twenty or thirty dudes there that she can pick from. Men are notoriously undiscriminating. Come on, man! Like it was just, just. Blanket statements that I took offense to, to be honest. <laughs> you took offense to. No, but I don't think the majority of people give a shit whether you're college educated or not. I if, think there is a group of people who care. Absolutely. Shame on them. Is I mean, if you meet someone and you're having a great conversation with them and they have a great personality and then you find out that they're not they didn't graduate from a college or a university now all of a sudden you hold them in a different regard i think that's I, normal people don't act that way but self-absorbed people point, do plenty of people do right well then i, I feel really bad for those people <laughs> that have less eligible bachelors to choose from go on i got i got nothing. yeah I, I, I think we're good with, with gerard <laughs> okay um the last one is, it was in the New York, it was on NewYorkMag.com, the Shaw family admission plan. One Wall Street billionaire and the ultimate college hedge. Uh, that was written by Ava Kaufman and Daniel Gordon. Um, so this article discusses the donation strategy of billionaires, David E. Shaw and Beth Cobliner. Um Termed the back door to college admissions by recent admissions scandal ringleader Rick Singer, David, David and Beth have gifted $37.3 million in seven years to seven elite or Ivy League colleges, really with the intention um, of allowing their children to essentially choose which Ivy League institution they would want to attend. 
Um, I feel like it should point out the strategy is legal, just based on some more recent events of parents attempting to get their children into elite schools illegally. Um, But I mean, the article kind of covered, it went into like a discussion about David and his wife, who they are, where they've come from, talked about the college piece, and then it kind of talked about their kids as well. So covered a lot of ground. Where do you want to start? Well, for for me, it's just, you know, the Felicity Huffman bribe stuff was was obviously a lot of people were outraged by that. This is the same. This is a bribe. I mean, you got you can't really call it anything else. And I thought in the article, they interviewed a couple of admissions people from these schools who insisted that the donations play no role. And in fact, they questioned donors as to what their you know, motives are with a general purpose donation because, you know, which is such bullshit. Sure. Or they, they encourage them not to donate in years where their kids are applying to right. schools. So, so, so of course, Shaw donated well before their kids were applying and spread his bets and essentially gives them the, the pick them option for wherever you want to go. Um, and Jeff, I guess your question earlier was if you had, if you had billions, wouldn't you do that for your kid? If you had billions, if wouldn't... you had billions like Shaw does, stupid money, and a million dollar donation was the equivalent of a dollar, would you? Wouldn't you do this so that you could open your door for you know your kids? It, it's illegal after all, right? No, <laughs> no, it's a hard no. I mean, that's the whole point of having to earn it. Don't you want your kids to earn it? That didn't you? Didn't what's the guy's name again? The Shaw. Rich, David. super rich guy, Shaw. David Shaw. Yeah, w- was he given help? Or did he did he create his own wealth? It sounds really like say. he did it himself. It sounds he like he did it himself. Smart guy, smart kid. He got into you know, and he, and he didn't go to Ivy League school though. That was the right. most well, for an undergrad. Disturbing part of the article to me is that this guy, and I'm not. I hate to use the term self-made because obviously he's had help with. He's had help along the way, whether it be, you know, great employees or partners or whoever. But he's built a successful firm, a very, a, a very uh, wealthy from a financial standpoint, life, and and net worth, and you're you're just with pre-K to grade school to to everything that your kids have experienced in life. It sounds like he has paved the way for them. In fact, he used the term like instead of snow plowing the path for them, he like bulldozed mountains for them i I just don't think that makes your kid a stronger kid and i know i hopefully if i was worth billions and uh, a million was worth like like akin to a dollar for me i wouldn't just go opening doors for my kids uh if i know somebody that works at vanguard where they and my kid wants to go there i'll call on that person to get my kid an interview but my kid has to perform in the interview and get the job on his own I mean, I think that's like, sure, the reasonable, normal person answer. I just think this is a level of wealth that like we can't touch. And like to go to the previous article, like these are the people who care if you have a college degree dating their daughter. Like there are humans that hold that piece of paper from that Ivy League institution in the absolute highest regard. And Shaw and his wife are obviously two of them who were willing to go to pretty extreme lengths to ensure that their kid not only like went to one but got their pick 
And I just, I, I guess I think about like, I had enough money to do anything. Why wouldn't you do everything? Because that is not good for your kids. It's not a, it's not a, and I think this type of person, they create and they get this kind of wealth and then they get this mentality that I can do whatever I want because I can just buy it and I can buy it for my kids and I can buy it for my wife. And he reminded me, I mean, I've never heard of this guy, Shaw, before. I'm sure you have. But. Yeah, he's good. Uh, I've worked at a competitive firm, so I'm very familiar with their his shop. But, but from reading the article, it sounds like he is incredibly um, a big fan of higher education, the best education. Yeah. It's not just like I'm going to make my kids' life e- easier. He's saying getting this education is so important and I'm going to make sure you get it. I also look at like the significant donations that he's making. Sure, it gets his three kids into the school of their choice, but it also provides scholarship money for kids who want to go to those schools who can't afford it. If we want to silver linings this a little bit, like there's people who apply to Harvard who absolutely on a merit level deserve to go there. And Harvard has scholarships from donors like David and his wife that pay for it. So it's philanthropic in a kind of way. Sure. <laughs> he just he, he came off very Steve Jobs-ish to me. And I just, I, I can't get down with that type of person and that kind of mentality. And Oh, totally with you. I mean. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I'm not, I, I just think this kind of money, like not making it easy on the kids is not, their life's going to be easy. <laughs> like. What is, what's the college admission process really going to have to do with it? I don't know. I think, I think I just look at this as the way that they're raising. I understand your point and, and your point, Mike, how they just value education. But, and maybe I'm just an idiot, but the education at Yale and Princeton is going to be that much better than the education they can get somewhere else. Yeah, and I, I, the one part of this article that I cringed at and just it's just so pathetic to me is that they talk about the prep school that their kids went to, and I guess in sixth and seventh grade, they um, some you know, like ultra exclusive, you know, New York area school or New England wherever it is, Connecticut, um, they divided the class into teams. Named after the eight Ivy League institutions. So to me, it's just, just, just so pathetic. Yeah. Um, on so many levels, you know. And it just creates that, like, Ivy League or my life's over mentality in a little kid from that age on. And to your point, Jeff, I think there, there are so many other paths. So should you be allowed to donate millions of dollars to a school that your kid is applying to attend? Well, I mean, the answer I, is yes, you are allowed. You are allowed. No, should you? I think, it, I think it's more because the common way to do it is you went there and, you, and you're right. really proud and whatever and you give back and, you, and you've done well and you can afford to and so you donate, to your point, Meg, you donate so that there can be other kids to have that great experience that you did or whatever, whatever. And then your kid goes there and that's, I guess, okay. The point here is you buy off eight schools, like the eight top schools, then so that your kid can basically like p- 
pick him like he's a Baskin Robbins? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yeah, no, it just it, it doesn't sit well with me. Anybody have anything to wrap this one up? Um, considering how rich he is, his wardrobe needs some work. <laughs> Shaw, who often dressed in cargo shorts, a t-shirt, and friggin' New Balances. Like they all do, those guys all do that. That is like the most dad outfit I could think of. It's not a dad outfit from today. Actually, there are a good a good amount no, of dads I, that rock I that. I see but. way too many cargo shorts, like just in existence. I actually was at a at a like a a family function and mentioned how on our one of our previous pods, we said things that should die with baby boomers was. You know, we list things. And I said, oh, cargo shorts. And I look over both of my brother-in-laws <laughs> were wearing cargo shorts. Yeah, like New Balances. I mean, I'm you know you're picturing the white dad New, new Balances. But, like, mm-hmm. they've come. Like, they've kind of transformed a little bit. Like, you can rock a, a cute New Balance now. But cargo shorts, never. There's, yeah, they shouldn't, they shouldn't exist anymore. <laughs> like, what are the point? What's the point of the pockets? What do you need that many pockets for? The coach at my son's flag football game had two water bottles in each pocket on either side of his cargo shorts, <laughs> running the water into the kids. Which, by the way... Flag football. Flag football, 25-minute halves. They need water all the time. <laughs> There's a phenomenon now with our children where they need water. They need to be hydrated all the time. You can't go play a sport for an hour without having any form of water. I don't know. Sorry. No, it's okay. Um anything more on that no i would say read the housel article read the uh, shaw article you can probably burn the uh, <laughs> gerard baker article okay um top five yep top five best professional sports uniforms of all time who wants to start you want me to give you more time to think mike no no i i got five go but you go ahead jeff uh, I like every now and then the NFL does like throwbacks, mm-hmm. and I like the ones the Packers wear. So the, like mustardy yellow. Yeah, bottoms. yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of them. I'm a fan of the old the old Packer. Um, Is that like the navy top too? Mustard pants. Yeah. So I'm gonna go in like reverse order. So that was like my five. Okay. Uh, from there, I would probably say I love the Flyers uni, the orange and black. Like the home orange. I'm a huge fan of that one. So that's four. Three would probably be um, Michigan Fab Five. Oh, that's a good one. I mean, the baggy. Pro? Pro? No. Professional? Oh, yeah. Oh, I went. I'm sorry. I went collegiate. That's okay. Yeah, Yeah, the Fab Five. They all played professional basketball. So we can. The the, the baggy yellow shorts, all yellow unis, I thought were pretty solid. Um, Eagles, 1960s, Kelly Green. Mm-hmm. Like the old school Eagle Green that they got rid of, which, I mean, the majority of Eagles fans still are not comfortable with that. And then the baby blue old school Phillies. They rocked them a few really? times. Really? Yeah, they're good. They're they rocked good. them a few times this year. Really? They're a solid yeah. uniform like with the old Greg school Luzinski. P. Yeah. See, like, yeah. I like the colors. And I, I have one of the hats with like the, the old school P. P. Yeah. yeah. 
I think the uniform is atrocious. Oh my god, like, I think so the nice. whole look of it. And I feel the same way about the Kelly Green. Like I have a sweatshirt that I love, but I just don't like it. And maybe it's because it's on a football. I don't know. I don't like the combination. So cool. Okay. <laughs> all right. I got the. Uh, you guys are gonna hate all these, but. <laughs> Pittsburgh Pirates, the old school. Oh God! Black and gold, everywhere. Like, think back to when they were like winning the World Series back in like the day. Didn't they win the World Series? Back <laughs> I don't think like, I was alive when Stargell that. and those guys. Anyway, Pittsburgh. Kent Colby. No. All right. No. Um, I've got the two hockeys in here. Red Wings, classics. Red Wings. Detroit. Yeah. It's classic. Just simple but awesome. What is the logo? It's a it's like the Motor City, the wheel with the wing. With the, the wing on the back. Is it wing or is it a flame? That's a wing. It's a wing. Right. Yeah. Um, hence the name of the team, Red Wings. Um, <laughs> Chicago Blackhawks, just iconic, iconic unis. I don't think that is socially really acceptable anymore. I was going to just ask, are you allowed to, are they allowed to use that still? Yeah, they're still the Blackhawks. So Blackhawks, Redskins. Cleveland Indians. Indians. Like F- that's like not PC Florida anymore, State, right? Seminoles. Uh, well, to some people, they I were mean, trying to get rid of the like the chop, the Braves chop. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about chopping someone's head, like uh, scalping them. Well, that's different. Scalping and chopping are different. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mike's like, let me I get got, through my list here. I got the I got the Chargers back in the day. It's not bad. Yeah. With the with back the, uh, in the day, like. Baby blues, the baby blues, oh. yeah, yeah. With the lightning bolt, With the bolts, up, bolts up the up the thigh, bolts on the helmets. Yeah, it was an on, it was an honorable mention for me. And then the, my best one, I don't know why, I've always since I was a kid, um, love the old Rams jerseys. The, oh my god, the, they're terrible. The, the just the blue with the uh, the gold. gold, awesome, terrible, loved them. <laughs> like Kurt Warner. Yeah, no, before then, but pre pre Warner, I think. Too, too young for all these, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> pre Warner, um, but I'm you know what? The, the the problem with all sports, though, they all have these. They change their unis and their jerseys, and they have throwbacks, and they have thirds and fourths, and it's too hard to even know like what their what their standard unis even are. Yeah. yeah do you care? Obviously, they're trying to sell merch, right. but right. I get that, but. It's a little annoying. home away alternative alternative yeah. one. Got my gear up. Okay, uh, okay. Late eighties, early nineties. Charlotte Hornets. They were white with like the purple pinstripes. And the cartoon B. Yes. Yeah. Pretty cool. <laughs> Who was um, the guy that played on that team that did like the mama like Mama's House? It was like he he put on like the grandma wig. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. That played on that team? I don't know. I don't think that's somebody else. Um, okay, so I didn't know I liked these jerseys until the Raptors won national cha- the NBA championship. Kyle Lowry wore, during the championship parade, Damon Stoudemire's <laughs> jersey. So it's, a, it's a white jersey with, like, a cartoon Raptor on it. <laughs> and Stoudemire on the back. It's that yes, specific jersey. It was that jersey. Right. So that. Oh, for two so far. <laughs> Eagles all black. Really? Yes, I love. Wow. It's a good Eagles jersey. Anytime. I, I mean, think I think of... it's the whole uniform, and I know, like, I use uniform, like the whole look of it. I like that. Can it's... you not 
Is it possible to not think of Brian Dawkins when you no. think of the Eagles All Black? No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, good point. Uh, so this one's a shout out to Mike. Um, Toronto Maple Leafs. I really like <laughs> <laughs> Toronto Maple. It's literally got wow, a maple leaf on the front of it. From? So you guys, it is a good. Guys. It's a great uni. <laughs> so it's going to go back to basketball. Mike Scott, who plays for the Sixers, shows up for every game in a hockey jersey, and. I've seen a bunch of the hockey jerseys only because he wears them. And I always liked I liked that one. All right. So you have two Toronto teams. Two Toronto teams. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if this is considered a uniform, but Tiger Woods, red shirt on Sunday. Like That's probably legit, yeah. There's just something and I don't even really like golf, but I disagree. The <laughs> I just think that his look is so like because when he first started, he wore, like, the black pleated plant pants. Yeah. It's just well, a, fashion's come a long yeah. way. He's been around forever. Okay. All right. What's number Good one? Good stuff. That was fine. Oh, that, that was, was it? it. <laughs> what would you say is your most hated uniform? I don't even have to, like, I don't even have to think. What's yours? Well, I mean, it depends. Yankees come to mind immediately. Just because I, I hate know. the Yankees. You can take their stupid pinstripes. I want to see them in the pinstripes. <laughs> Who says that? I don't know. People do. And Cowboys. Man. Well, you hate the Yankees and the Cowboys. That's different Yeah, which makes me hate their, their uniforms. A stupid star yeah, on the Yeah, the Cowboys would probably be it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't like the Browns. Like, their colors are horrible. True. It's like poop brown true <laughs> You're such a female dude and not like, even you're a, literally like thinking about aesthetically like how it and looks and they can't how even I made my decision and they can't what even come up with a logo a helmet it's just a plain orange helmet right it, they're yeah. horrible i mean they're the colors are just terrible so I, that, that's the first thing that came to mind what about like the celtics the all green it's a horrible uni it's green and white it's so basic it's too basic to hate and I would say that, like, the pinstripes and the Yankees, it's too basic to hate. Okay. And and you got to give him a little credit for not changing Ever it. Ever changing it. Like, Larry Bird wore the same jersey as... Al Horford. Al Horford. <laughs> Current Sixer. Signing right. off from Westchester, <laughs> Pennsylvania. That's all we have for today. Thanks for listening. Um, the articles we discussed on today's pod will be linked in the episode description on either Spotify or iTunes. Make sure you follow our Twitter at Untucked Pod for updates on new episodes. See you guys next time.